Big Red Revival. Hello and welcome into the Big Red Revival podcast. As always, I'm your host, Taylor Goldenstein. And as always, with me, the quarterback, Zach Raby. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Big Red, Big Red Pod and individually at TaylorMade04 and ZRaby14 uh, to get all of our latest Husker topics and hot takes there. So uh, we're in the thick of sports season. It's here. We know we've got the NBA playoffs, baseball playoffs. College football is up and running, except for the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Uh, just a lot of sports going on. But, uh, you know, before we get into all that, Zach, what's uh, what's happening with you? How you doing? Doing good, man. Yesterday was a uh, just a great day for college football. Man, it wasn't was, it? I, I got to watch, you know, the morning slate and then listen to the good good amount of the afternoon slate and then back it, back home in time for the uh, for the night game and Man, that yesterday just had everything to offer. I mean, it had the high-scoring games. The Red River shootout looked like it was kind of going to be kind of a bummer of a game, and then all of a sudden Texas comes roaring back. That was sweet. The the North Carolina Virginia Tech game was a track meet, and then right. Bama Ole Miss. Bama's all of a sudden a, a shootout type of team. So that's always going to be fun to watch and get on board with. Yep. And then you had your couple upsets. Um, not not too too bad compared to the rest of the season, but. A&M over Florida was pretty huge. and Yeah, it was. And so, I mean, SEC is just kind of a crazy conference this year, and I'm kind of all for it. And then then you have your controversial call with the uh, with the Auburn-Arkansas game. What a bad call that was. I what mean, I can't. Terrible call. And then they come back today with just the most ridiculous statement. Oh, yeah. Or it was last night, actually. They were wrong. They never want to say uh, the official oh. got it wrong. And then, on, and then just to kind of cap things off, you have your clear number one team that takes takes the field – showcase game in prime time and just and just looked the part man that uh that was shocking you know i had watched uh, two of the miami's first three games and miami was uh you know looking the part you know they had finally got a dynamic quarterback and deadra king transfer from houston and i was like i didn't think they were going to beat clemson but i thought they would uh give them a game or at least be able to maybe get into a shootout kind of like old miss and alabama and uh that's that was not the case. Um, Clemson um, stomped on them, stomped on them early, stomped on them late. Um, just total just team. Kept it wasn't, stomping. I mean, the uh, Travis Etienne. Um, I think elite. he might. I think he might have taken the front runner for the Heisman currently over Trevor Lawrence. Um, he showed out. He he did a little bit, a little bit of everything. Looked like uh, Alvin uh, Kamara out there. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was a day full of any everything you could possibly want in college football. Some early upsets. Uh, to start the, started off them, I got to watch the uh, LSU A and M or the excuse me the A uh, and M versus Florida game, which you know I I initially I thought Florida was one of the teams that maybe this could be their breakout season and they could step up into the conversation of you know can they contend with uh, Georgia Georgia and Bama and um, you know maybe they still can but uh, you know A and M stepped up and you know of course after the game the Florida coach, you know, he's like, well, the crowd really played a big role in that. You yeah, know, that next weekend, great. I want to see, I want to see 88,000 in uh, Florida and our, in our, uh, in our place. Yeah. Post LSU. I want to pack the swamp. Yeah. He's packed the swamp <laughs> up. So I thought we were draining it, but that, you know what, that's neither here nor there. Um, but you know, with Florida, uh, they're, uh, they're full go. Governor said, go ahead and pack yep. the house. So, um, I, I would not be shocked. I think the AD came out and said, you know, I think we're still going to abide by the guidelines, but, uh, you know, sometimes football usually wins out in decision-making. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Um, and then, um, our old friend, uh, Mr. Uh, Bo Pelini, uh, let, let me get these stats real quick. Yes. Uh, Mr. Bo Pelini is having a quite the debut at LSU. Um, through three games has given up 96 points, which that is a school record um, through three games. So yep. also game one gave up a school record and uh, passing yards against Mississippi State, 623 of those. And he scored two points this week. Yeah, on uh, I believe he scored two 60, pass attempts, 60 pass attempts and he scored two points, which has got to be, I don't know what kind of record or what, but that's that's got to be some kind of something. I mean – 
Um, so just, you know, the $2.3 million man a year, um, which is actually make more than he was making at Nebraska initially um, and through most of his career at Nebraska, $2.3 million to have the worst defense in the country. Um, and uh, to say the least, Ed Orgeron was not uh, – he was not pulling punches when talking about his uh, new defensive coordinator and uh, said it was embarrassing, said they couldn't stop a nosebleed. And, you know, he's right. I mean, they lost to Missouri yesterday, giving up uh, 45 points and 600 yards. And it, Missouri was a winless team going into that game with nothing nothing going on for him, no signs of life. And they, you know, they actually end up having to change that game from LSU to Missouri um, because of the hurricane or whatever. And, um, you know, it maybe looked like that was the wrong decision to do. But uh, the national, national champs are now at one and two to just kind of add to the whole landscape of uh, college football. But, yeah, it was a great day. I, you know, I would, it be, would, it be safe, would it be safe to say that LSU has a bit of buyer's remorse? Uh, I, I would say so. I would say so. That, uh, you know, $2.3 million, I believe that's more than our top three assistant coaches paid combined. And I realized that they lost, you know, the majority of their starters from last year's team. But, right. I mean, there there's no excuse for the – type of stack talent that they have year in year out at LSU to I, I saw a clip there was two DBs who just looked at each other just dead in in uh coverage while uh, a guy was streaking down the field catching a touchdown pass they had no clue what they were supposed to be doing out no there. idea not to mention they have you know potentially a top top three top five draft pick and one of the best defense players in the country and uh Stingley Jr uh just a straight shutdown corner but um you know, so it's not like it's a lack of talent. I mean, yeah, they've lost a lot of guys and they've had a lot of guys opt out. But at the end of the day, you're LSU. You're signing nothing but four and five star guys and putting dudes in the league. So it's not it's not as if uh, it's just uh, cupboards bare for you. So he's lost a little of that scare tactic with having a mask on. They can't see those big old nostrils flare. Uh, all the that, time. You know, that might be it. That might be it. That's that's, that's intimidation right there. You know? Yeah. Cool. Yep. And then uh, on the other side of things, we got uh, another old face, new place, uh, J.D. Spillman for uh, TCU. Um, it's just kind of shocking to see the lack of uh, production from him so far on the season. He's got five catches for 55 yards, four carries for 28 yards. So um, just, you know, hasn't really been a factor in it. it I watched two of their games already because they've got the QB from Council Bluffs there, Max Duggan, mm-hmm. kid can ball, kid can, kid can flat out ball. Um, but it's, it's just kind of a, is, is JD's being basically the fifth receiver on TCU? Is that what you're seeing too about the fifth receiver? Yeah. I mean, it just, this still doesn't make sense to me because he was the clear number one receiver here. Right. He was going to become the all time leading receiver here with a big year. He potentially gets looked at as, you know, a late, a late round pick. Right. And instead he just transferred to a transfers to a place that just clearly doesn't have a space or spot for him. Yeah, not only I mean, he just doesn't seem like he fits there. You know, he they, they clearly had a game plan before he made the decision to come in there, and th- they kind of just put him in there. But there's he he doesn't really serve as like a specific role in the offense. Right, and you know it'd be one thing if you you know transferred to a team and wasn't maybe getting all the looks. If it was a maybe a national title contending team, but this you know TCU is not even going to contend for a Big Twelve title. Well, well. Well, Big 12, I guess everybody's contending for the Big 12 this Currently, year. Currently, Iowa State and Kansas State are on top of that conference. So yeah, more yeah. to come there. Exactly. Um, just a lot of shocking things out of college football this year. Um, you got Texas and Oklahoma both sitting at 2-2. Two and two. So it's just been kind of a wild, wild west. But um, just touching back on the JD thing, um, you know, is with the lack of production there, is this an indictment on Nebraska football? Um, that our all-time basically leading receiver transfers to another mediocre school and can't even get, um, you know, is the fourth or the fourth fifth trading receiver on the team? Is that is that an indictment on Nebraska and where our program's at? And wh- I don't know. What do you think about that and what it says about Nebraska? I don't think it says a whole lot about Nebraska. The guy was clear- clearly comfortable in his role here. He um, he had a, a, red, or a red shirt year and then kind of just started coming on slowly in, in special teams and then kind of made his uh, made his mark, you know, permanently on the offensive side of the ball. And um, he, he was just more comfortable here. He knew his place in the offense. There was a place for him in the offense. So I don't think it really comes down to 
Nebraska versus TCU. I feel like it's just a timing thing where had he had maybe a year to come into that program and, and kind of catch on to things and learn things and, you know, get more accustomed to what they do at TCU, maybe he'd be a little more effective. But I don't think it says any more than that. Yeah, um, you're probably right. I think it's a lack of just kind of not knowing where to place and what to do with them. You know, he's averaging 11 yards a catch. Uh, so far this season at Nebraska last year, he was just he was averaging just under 19 yards a catch. So just kind of shows you that maybe just being used a lot different. They haven't found exactly uh, what they want to do. I mean, do with them. It could be a variety of reasons, you know, lack of, uh, you know, offseason camp or just, you know, knowing who he is. And, you know, with all the coronavirus stuff, probably wasn't able to get in there and uh, yeah, cause he training in with the team. He didn't commit till what, July or yeah there in july or something I mean, yeah it was, it was like late that, into the so. summer so so yeah i think they're still trying to figure out um how to use him but um just kind of i don't know just weird seeing um him not being used very often it's and strange in that office yeah it is it's just something something i will never understand you know i mean kids these days but there's a lot of things that uh just i i'm not gonna understand a little it. over our head right <laughs> exactly so I don't know what other kind of themes we've obviously we've seen a lot of upsets around college football. Um, I think we've seen Clemson uh, start to separate themselves. Alabama looks, you know, like a world beater on offense, but then uh, defense, not so much. So I think Clemson so far is a clear number one, but just kind of outside of the top teams or whatever, um, what kind of theme have you seen throughout college football? What's kind of uh, uh, what have you seen so far throughout it? I have three themes. Um, first one, we've already pretty much said the Big Twelve is just not a good football conference. Um, when you look at when you look at their the conference standings right now, it just looked like somebody just put all the teams and just randomized the list. Right. There's no rhyme or reason to how it works or why it is the way it is. You know, like Oklahoma State seems like they should be kind of the class right. of the conference this year, but that first game when they played Tulsa, it kind of just leaves a sour taste in your mouth where. Are they really the real deal? And then the same goes with Iowa State. You know, they could they could be really looking good had they not lost to Louisiana that first game. Yeah, those uh first that first week of Iowa State and Kansas State both getting knocked off yeah. by uh you know basically two nobodies, two southeastern A and M Tech Columbia mm-hmm. you know A and M schools whatever yeah. um, some no name schools. So um, especially since those you know outside of that are looking like your two top teams. You know, yeah. Iowa State and Kansas State both knocked off Oklahoma. Um, what have you thought about Oklahoma and the play of uh, our our Q- former QB one star Spencer Rattler? Have uh, I don't know is wh- what's he looked like to you? <laughs> it's kind of been up and down for me, really. Um, you know, we were we were messaging back and forth that first game when he kind of came out and he was slinging the rock around, just looking like a million bucks, like a really good ball. Like Oklahoma hadn't missed a beat with their quarterback play again. Right. Then he started showing some signs of being young and not as experienced. And kind of, it's kind of gone through some struggles here. But then, what I really liked and took a, a lot away from this last uh, or yesterday when he was playing Texas, it looked like he got pulled out in that second quarter, and they brought yeah. in somebody else. And I think I was I was listening to some radio show this morning, and they I think they said it really well. And they said that that other quarterback that came in for Ohio State kind of just stabilized everything. You know, he was he was kind of um, or Oklahoma, um, it kind of just stabilized everything and just kind of you know, calm things down a little bit because Spencer Rattler was just getting a little little crazy. And then yep. he had the mindset to not not panic. You didn't see him freaking out on the sidelines. Comes back in the third quarter and then just, you know, rises up to a huge, huge moment, uh, you know, four overtime game in Red River shootout against your biggest rival, Texas. Yep. I think that speaks volumes for him, but I'm really not quite ready to buy in yet. Yeah, I mean, you know, of course he's going to be p- compared to the uh, Oklahoma QBs of the past, you know, the Baker, the Jalen Hurts, the uh, Kyler Murrays. But a lot of things people don't forget is all those guys had prior starting experience uh, at other Power 5 schools. Baker at Texas a or at Texas Tech, um, Jalen Hurts clearly at Alabama, and then um, Kyler Murray at A&M. So, you know, you're getting a guy that has no big-time uh, playing experience, so – um, I think you know he'll get to be he'll get where the most most of the Oklahoma quarterbacks get to maybe not this year but uh, here in the next years to come I think they're yeah feeling pretty comfortable about uh, their QB situation so yeah. uh, young guy making a lot of young mistakes um, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of fumbles you know a lot of strip sacks on them so gotta gotta keep that ball secured so you know they'll say ball security is job security exactly my other two were the SEC is as, as entertaining as ever right now i mean they 
it's just like shootouts here and there. You don't see that very often. Like, like I said before, Alabama in a shootout. And then, you know, you, you have the potential, I guess, with Mississippi state and Mike Leach, you know, putting up points, but it's kind of gone down the shitter the last couple of weeks. Right. And speaking of points, points are the third one. I mean, you're just seeing points scored all over college football. I've been, I've been very successful in my uh, responsible gambling so far this year and just hammering the overs in every game. And it's crazy. And you would, th- and you would think, you know, with the time off with all these teams and kind of the, the, un- the lack of structure they had compared to other years, the defenses would almost be ahead of the offense, but you're seeing a lot more points and, and a lot less defense. So it's been, it's been entertaining, but, you know, it's not really sustainable for for teams that want to really compete and and win the win the natty. Right. Exactly, especially when you got a team out there looking like Clemson. It's like that that ain't gonna that ain't gonna get it done. So it, it's uh you know the SEC as you said it's it's uh, can't miss television right now. I mean every even the bottom feeders are entertaining. I mean Arkansas Arkansas has been uh, an entertaining team to watch, and they're you know they just got their first conference win in like three years last week. So and then got robbed out of another one this this week to Auburn. So um it just but uh overall thing what i've seen just through watching i don't know the first month of college football is obviously what you said the defense is clearly optional um and then special teams special teams is at an all-time low (laughs) i mean um the kicking the field goal kickers um punters just everybody and we you know we talked we've been talking so highly about clemson they got three fucking uh, field goals blocked yesterday i mean that's unheard of. Not to mention the ones, the fil- missed field goals in the uh, Texas, Texas yeah. game. I mean, the special teams is at an all time low, um, which kind of, you know, transitions us into my next topic here of, um, you know, the Nebraska always puts out these nice hype videos to get you, get you pumped up for the year. You know, a couple of little practice clips set to some, uh, some good rap music. And, uh, you know, there's been, there's been a theme that I've been kind of catching. I don't, I'm not sure everybody's catching on to it. But I've been seeing a lot of a uh, lot of kickers in that video, in those videos. Um, you know, extra points, punting. Um, have you noticed that? And uh, in those videos, yeah, I noticed them. You know, kind of early, and now they're jumping around a little bit more with a little more action. But I did notice that. You know, there was one that was pretty much just specifically on punting and kicking, and right. even even in the video, I think he just barely snuck it in and upright. So it's like that's what I said. I was like, <laughs> God damn, that's the fucking highlight. I was like. <laughs> I was like, did he make it? You know, I, I had to ask myself that. Did he make it? You know, so yeah, not not great that that's the one they chose to put in the damn highlight reel was the one that ba- barely squeaked in there. So yeah, that was uh, a <laughs> that was. Can you imagine at the end of the day they they're going over the film. Hey, this is the only one we got. I don't yeah, know. Hey, 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 Frost, this is it, man. We got this one that squeaked in there, and you can't even really tell if it squeaked in or not. So yeah, but um, I don't know. I guess does that. How's that kind of make you feel towards Nebraska football? Seeing that defenses defenses are terrible and special teams are terrible. I mean, that kind of plays right into uh, our hands because I think that we would all say that um, we probably feel pretty good about our offense. Defense is a question mark, and special teams is a you know a triple question mark. So I I think it kind of you know Nebraska kind of plays into the whole vibe we've been seeing so far across college football. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I just wonder if it's going to be different in the Big Ten because we've had just a ton of more time to kind of prepare for the season. Right. You know, the re- the rest of these teams kind of were in limbo for a lot of the time. Yeah. And and then, you know, you have the Big Ten who, even when we were, quote unquote, canceled, they were still going 20 hours a week and, and still putting in time and practice and stuff. So I'm wondering if we might be just a little bit ahead of the curve and you don't see as much of that. but. Uh, you know, again, it's 2020 and you never know what you're going to see. So, yeah, not to mention uh, the big, tw- big uh, 10 kind of hangs their hat on, uh, on defense too. I think we had three of the top 10 defenses last year. Um, so um, that was Wisconsin, Ohio state. And I believe Minnesota was the top 10 de- defense last year. So defense kind of uh, is where big 10 likes to hang their hat. So I wonder if that trend will continue, but uh, you know, if not, you know, I, if it is, I feel pretty good about yeah. us being able to get in a shootout and uh, win a shootout. So, um, but you know, with that being said, you know, obviously more things come out as the season goes. The team is uh, about two weeks into practice. You know, Frost came out and said that uh, you know doing a lot of hitting, doing a lot of hitting, a lot of you know live tackling. So I know that 
you know, some of the teams that have already been playing. So they got very little tackling in. So Navy um, didn't get any. Yeah, exactly. That first week, Navy got uh, chose got not to tackle real preseason. Yeah, I got ran through, and he was like, you know, well, the coach was like, well, you know, we didn't do any tackling. So I'm sure coaches hearing that uh, took notice and saw how shitty uh, Navy looked. A as disciplined team as Navy is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, but uh, another thing that came out was, uh, you know, obviously with all the new coronavirus testing and this, that, and the third. Um, the Big Ten came out and said that they will only be providing 170 tests. Uh, daily test per team uh, for each day. So what that tells me is one, that is that includes staff and players. And this goes back to a point that I've harped on for the previous 21 episodes of the roster size is too big. And now the big 10 is basically making a, uh, making you make a roster move because um, you have about 45 ish staff members. And right now I believe Nebraska at like 160 kids. So it's, um, Someone, someone ain't playing this year. So some people, you know, these walk-on, probably probably these walk-on uh, fr- true freshmen, I'm assuming they would be the easy ones to uh, have sit out. But um, just like we kind of discussed last episode, what, what do you think they should do on that? Do you think they should cut these numbers down to like 100, 100 players? Because just my feeling on it outside of the, the normal, you have too many kids, it takes away coaching from, uh, to, from the ones that are going to play. But now – um, with the virus out there, you're seeing if, you know, someone on the team gets it, you're 21 days quarantine, you know, no questions asked. That's basically half the season. So, you know, guys that aren't necessarily playing or have even a chance to play are more than likely, more likely to go out and, you know, maybe, you know, go to a party or, you know, do this or that and then bring it back and maybe infect a teammate and kind of goes from there. So um, I would like to see Nebraska maybe cut down the roster size for this uh for this one special season, you know, about down to a um, hundred kids and kind of like the rest of college football's roster size and go from there just to, you know, you want to stay safe and you don't want, uh, you know, some knucklehead going out partying and coming back and getting one of your players sick and you lose them for three weeks. So what do you, what do you think about the, the roster size and how Nebraska should approach it? Well, I think it, it's pretty simple. I mean, you, you're in, you're in the big 10 conference the Big Ten should make the uh, the announcement. Here's how many staff members you can have. Here's how many players you can have. This is who we're testing, and it just make it simple for everybody. But yeah. I mean, there's there's no leadership, and that that type of decision doesn't get made either by the NCAA because they just sit back either way. But you know, we know how the Big Ten leadership is too. It's just like they they need to just set the standards and then allow the programs to make the decisions based on the numbers. Right. Yeah, um, you know, decisions are going to have to be made. That's too um, simple, though. Yeah, no, it's it's never just a simple answer, is it? No. It's no, <laughs> it's it's never that. So, um, you know, another thing coming out of camp, of course, you know, the biggest story headline, you know, is uh, Luke McCaffrey. Is he pushing Adrian Martinez? Do do we have a QB controversy, Zach? Is it a QB controversy or is it a QB competition? Which one is it? Well, it's always a competition, and I think that's where it ends as well. Yeah. Um, we know Frost is loyal. Um, some some might say loyal to a fault. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's always going to be Martinez's job until it's not. And I don't think that he – I don't think he deserves to not not start. I don't. I, I I haven't been at practice or whatever, but I just don't see Luke as a number one starter yet. And not to mention, do do we really want to put Luke McCaffrey out there against Ohio State in no. in, in a week and a half? No, we don't. No, that's not. I mean, how you want to make not, it to, not to mention the last time Martinez played in that stadium, he went blow for blow with them and damn near beat him in their stadium. Sure so that might say there's a little unfinished business there, especially, you know, no fans, you know, you don't have those extra elements there. Yep. I mean, you got to put the guy that's been there the last two years, who knows the offense, who, who is clearly has a really good character, who puts in the work, who knows the offense, who's got it. I mean, you got to put that guy in there. And I still firmly believe that I think we should use Luke, obviously clear set number two quarterback, mm-hmm. but Taysom Hill style, style at the saints where, Make him, you know, make him a utility guy, you know, put him in the slot, put him in the backfield, put him at receiver, just like we're probably going to do with Wandale. Imagine a team that had two of those guys out there. 
I mean, that's so confusing for a defense to try and cover if you and we're starting to establish a little bit of outside receivers there too with some height so we can use those little guys in the middle to really confuse the defense so that's that's where I think we should use Luke but to answer your question 2 a.m is our quarterback right uh I think you know both of us have both been on the uh 2 a.m Right. Both of us have been on this 2 a.m. train for uh, since the end of last season going into this season. Um, you know, obviously, since last season, there's been a lot of uh, rumblings from fans and uh, everybody about wanting a uh, chance to uh, see McCaffrey play because the spots we have seen him play in, he's came in and uh, provided a spark. But, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to come in and have special packages and plays set for you as opposed to being in there for 60 snaps a game and running offense and doing everything that our offense asked you. So um, I'm a, I'm a Martinez guy. Um, obviously I think he's probably going to be on a short, short leash, um, which he probably should. But um, like you said, we need to be able to mix McCaffrey in there in different, different positions, a couple snaps at quarterback, running back wide receiver, and just use him as, you know, as our catch all. And because he's too explosive, too competitive um, to not be on the field. So, but you know, the old saying goes that, you know, the most popular guy on a losing team is always the backup quarterback. And, you know, that's clearly the situation here. Um, but, you know, Luke is, uh, you know, last year he looked like he was running around at about a buck 55. Um, looks like he's put on a little weight this year. Uh, they say he's up over 200 pounds. So, uh, you know, he's taking it serious and he, you know, he clearly wants to get on the field and he wants to push Martinez for that number one spot. And, you know, I think that, was uh, a lot of the reason why Martinez had the season he did last year. Just kind of came in, um, you know, thinking that this job is mine. You know, I'm up for Heisman. I'm a Heisman candidate, um, captain, this, that, and the third. And, you know, maybe he took the job a little lightly and, uh, you know, didn't take his preparation serious enough. So I doubt that we will have that issue this year. That's why I am totally buying a lot of stock in um, Adrian Martinez to have a a – not a breakout year, but uh, get out of that sophomore slump and, um, you know, reintroduce himself to to the nation. Because, um, you know, coming into this season, there's that pro football focus. Um, you know, they've got some kind of goddamn formula that rates every single player in the league, even offensive linemen and shit, and they come out and spit out some number. I don't know what the algorithm is, but, um, you know, they uh, there's 130 teams in Division One football, and, um, you know, they ranked um, Adrian Martinez at uh, wonderful 129th. So uh, 129 out of 130 quarterbacks, which sounds terrible. And then when you actually read into it a little bit long, a little bit more, you realize it's even worse than it sounds because the 130th ranked quarterback is actually UConn's starting quarterback. And guess what? UConn ain't playing football this year. So they have Adrian Martinez as Adrian Martinez as the worst quarterback in college f- football, not power five. College football, not Big Ten. College football. So uh, clearly, clearly, that's a fucking joke. I don't know what the hell stats they put in, but uh, there. You know, I mean, you, you know what it is. It's, it's bulletin board material, material, and that's it. I mean, yeah, you know, if you, looked at, if you looked at the yeah. list, Tanner, Tanner Morgan from Minnesota is ranked fifth. Dear? Yeah, not to mention. Uh, sorry, there's there's three dudes that he fucking yep. ran off from the program yep. right ahead of him. Um, get O'Brien, Jedia, Vedral. Uh, O'Brien and Vedral. Three dudes that fucking he ran off because he beat them out are ranked not ahead of him, ranked way ahead Pierre of him. Three King guys. is at number so, 11. And, and as we all saw last night, that guy cannot throw a football. He can't throw. Dude, he kept taking the deep shot, and it's like, it's like, bro, put a little bit yeah, more air so on it. I, I think mean, on behalf of this podcast, congratulations, PFF. You're on our shit list. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you guys. Who's that? Mike Florio, I believe. Fuck you. So 129th, man. What kind and of bullshit it, is that? It's funny because I looked through it, and I just kind of note, started noticing the, the top three quarterbacks, you know, well-deserved. You know, I'm sure you know who they are. Um I, I didn't see, but yeah. I can fucking guess. So yeah. they each had like two small little paragraphs. The rest of them had kind of just tiny little write-ups. Then there was Martinez who had this big write-up pretty much for them to justify why they're fucking him. Because right. And then they, in the um, article, they said that Luke should be starting over him, which is just completely disrespectful. Yeah. Yeah. Luke was in at 119th ranked quarterback, <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> fucking just, you know, the national media loves kicking Nebraska while, while we're down. Um, but they also love to uh, eat off our name. And, you know, what I mean by that is uh, they know that the brand is still strong, as I say, every fucking episode. 
The brand is still strong. And they know if they write something about Nebraska, especially if it's disparaging, that uh, Nebraska fans are going to read it. Nebraska fans are going to react. And at the, end of the day, at the end of the day, that's what they're looking for. They're not actually looking for substance. They're looking to get uh, reaction and uh, page views. So, um, you know, the national media knows what they're doing. Anytime they put Nebraska in their mouth, uh, they're going to make some money. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. Obviously, no one's buying into 129. That's, that's total bullshit. Um, so I'm looking for Martinez to have a breakout year this year. And, um, you know, if we can go into Ohio State and have a good showing, a showing like we did last time we were there, um, I think, uh, you know, Nebraska comes out of that feeling pretty good. But, you know, outside of um, outside of quarterback, you know, there's another competition going. It's not not for uh, our starting running back. That is solidified. Dedrick Mills uh, is clearly the uh, – the bell cow, the workhorse, the every down back, whatever you want to call him. But, uh, you know, there's competition going on for RB2. Who's going to be that second running back to come in and spell Mills, um, you know, third and long, um, you know, when he needs a breather. Last year, you know, um, last year, Adrian Martinez was actually had the most carries on our team, which, you know, and I saw that this week was kind of mind boggling because one, uh, Adrian missed, what, three, yeah. three, four games, three games at least. Um, so never good if your quarterback is the leading leading uh, rusher, and then you had Mills, and then behind that, the third re- leading rusher was your wide receiver, um, and then behind that was your your fourth leading rusher was your second string quarterback. So um, running back is a position of need for us, and that we do not have a lot of depth. That I think uh, that puts Dedrick Mills at a, a high emphasis of uh, needing to stay, stay healthy and be productive, but. For the you know the second running back spot, um, who who are you looking at to uh, fill that void? And stuff? Um, I've I've seen a couple times that the coaches have kind of been talking about Ramir as kind of the speed guy, kind of like that that thunder right. and lightning type of deal. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't necessarily say he's going to be RB two. I think it's going to be more of a committee approach, just to kind of see who's hot, who's hitting, who's hitting the holes hardest. You know, who's making the plays. Um, and, and then that's where, that's where the two freshmen come in. Marvin Scott, I'm sure we've all seen the pictures of him. That guy looks like a grown man already. Grown ass. The guy is huge. (laughs) And then I I think that Sevian Morrison, uh, Morrison kind of has that, that savvy type of, uh, running back approach, much like, uh, much like our boy, um, Whit Missing, Whit Missing. Oh, uh, uh, there he is. Yeah, he yeah, went my brain too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, yeah. I, I think I think you're still going to see uh, you know some certain packages where, where we're going to involve Wandale, just kind of like last year. I don't think we're going to see him running between the tackles anymore. But Hopefully but I will not. say if we if we have to see Brody Belt out there getting some more carries this year, I'm really going to re- I'm seriously going to question the running back room and what we're doing in there because right. we can't, we can't have that. No. No, we can't. We no. Weissmeister, yeah. whoever the fuck those fucking knockoff Danny Woodheads fucking want to be these, you know, Dollar General Danny Woodhead. Um, no, it, no, it's we're at a bad place. If we're seeing those guys on the field, but um, you know, they always seem to get their ass in the field, though. I don't, I, I don't get it. But um, yeah, you know, Ramir Johnson last year, um, you know, they didn't really know what the hell they wanted to do with him. They didn't know what they What's had. Like JD, from what I saw. Yeah, and from what I saw, Ramirez still looked like a track guy that was playing football instead of a football guy that who also ran track. Um, but you know, everything coming out of camp, um, and you know, just hearing uh, you know a couple reports on him, they're saying that you know he really took the offseason serious, uh, put put on some uh, good muscle weight, and uh, you know, kind of looks like a different back back there. So that would be that'd be nice to see. But you know, my guy is the Marvin Scott. I think one one he's very similar to Dedrick Mills. So. Um, if you have to, uh, you know, have to swap them out, I think you don't, you, you want maybe the same kind of body type running style as, uh, as Diedrich Mills and kind of a downhill, you know, one cut bruiser. Um, and then Savion Morrison, you know, he's kind of, uh, you know, a mix between both, you know, he's got a little speed, but he's got, he's got a little shake to him and a little size now, but, um, I think you're right on the, going to be a, a running back room by, by committee. And hopefully that committee does not include, uh, the, uh, the Weissmeisters and the Brody Belts of the of the world. So, um, <laughs> sorry, you know, I mean, you know, I root for you know the homeborn Nebraska boys, but uh, when we're already so, up like seventy they, to three, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let them come in and get the get up mop up duty duty on us. So, um, 
then, you know, another topic that's been kind of, you know, speculated around and, you know, I kind of sent you guys a couple of texts on it. Um, Omar Manning, which everybody and Husker Nation is depending and expecting this guy to come in and be our number one receiver, not just our number one receiver, um, you know, a top, maybe a first team, all big 10, second team, all big 10 type of player. And, you know, during the press conference this week, you know, Frost had mentioned that, uh, you know, he had missed some time with an injury and then uh, he had missed some time for personal reasons. And it, you know, there's some rumors out there. I'm not going to, you know, you know, give light for rumors, but uh, it don't, you know, it's not sounding great. You know, if we're putting all of our, uh, all of our eggs in this basket, because um, you know, especially Nebraska fans, we really need to learn about putting our all eggs in a basket before we even see a guy step on the field. So, um, you know, just just what Frost is saying this week, it didn't sound great. It didn't sound promising like, oh, you know, this is, you know, he's as advertised of what we thought we were getting and what we were expecting out of him. So what's, what's your thoughts on the whole Omar Manning, um, you know, are we putting too much stock into this guy on how, how our season's going to go? Or what, what do you I think just, about that? I'm not really that worried about it. I mean, the chips will fall where they do. I mean, it's, yeah. it's one guy's not going to make up make up a team, especially our team, you know, we're, we're not talented enough to, you know, just to, yeah, Nebraska is just not talented enough to rely on one guy. I mean, we obviously, we, we really, really need the run game. And so, you know, he wouldn't probably have much influence there. Um, and, you know, even, even before th- these rumors were floating around, you know, I was thinking to myself, you know, we're putting a lot of stock into this guy. How has that worked in the past? Usually not great. Right. And it wouldn't be crazy to think that one of these other guys, you know, the the Alante Brown, the the Marcus Fleming, Xavier Bass. Yeah, one of those guys is probably going to break out more than he does. Right. Um and and then we'll run with that, but bottom line, we just need we need some production. We have a lot of playmakers on the roster and we can, you know, we can make do with what we have hopefully, but you know, one guy isn't going to make or break, you know, the season. Yeah, I just I think that just I think what we were falling in love with is the uh, size size and physicality of of him and kind of maybe that's what we're kind of needing that receiver and what we haven't had since I don't know Maurice Purify you know it, it's he it kind of reminds me a lot of Maurice Purify you know kind of a ju- junior college guy and our last actual physically imposing corner or not corner uh, wide receiver that we've had in the program so um, then obviously we know how much you know Frost. Frost and company loved the bubble screen. And one of the biggest problems why that that play never worked for us was because of the wide receiver blocking. So you would hope maybe having a little bit more size and physical physicality out there that maybe that would uh, help that out. Or maybe they just fucking scrap the goddamn bubble screen and all <laughs> that, you know, just, you know, save us all the angst of uh, that would be ideal. Go through another season of that. But, um, you know, and then not to mention, you know, I think that, uh, you know, people forget how good Wandell was looking when he was playing solely at receiver. So um, I think Wandell is going to be our number one receiver, whether Omar Manning plays or not. I mean, he's uh, he's something special, and you know, yeah, you I, saw that Illinois was the game that he kind of broke out at receiver. Yeah, that was his yeah. breakout game. Yeah. And then um, you know, people started getting banged up, and we had to start running him at running back, and you know, giving him twenty carries between the tackles, which. Not sure whose idea that was, but uh, wasn't a great idea. But um, you know, I'm anxious to see Wandell, you know, playing his true position and staying at wide receiver and uh, you know being spectacular out there because I think that's you know he's a special kind of af- athlete. So, but um, you know, along with camp, you know, goes injury news. Unfortunately, um, Braxton Clark, who you know I was probably going to pick as my breakout player of the year. Um, we got to see Braxton Clark a little bit last year towards the end of the year, get his uh, couple games in, keep his red shirt. Um, that um, uh, especially also another, another thing, a size guy, you know, a big corner, the guy's six, three over 200 pounds, just kind of, uh, you know, giving us an extra piece. I think we feel good about where our secondary is, but uh, it'd be nice to, you know, you can never have too many options. Um, so we lost Braxton Clark for the season already, but um, you know, if that's uh if that's the worst that comes of it, you know, uh, as far as health wise through, um, you know, through the preseason or whatever, it is what it is. Um, you saw that Wisconsin lost their starting quarterback for a couple games already. The Graham Mertz or whatever the guy's name is. So uh, Cone, but Cone, it, yes, it Mertz. doesn't really matter with Wisconsin though. I mean, you, you get yourself a game manager at Wisconsin, you get yourself 10 wins in the season. I mean, it's just, it's like clockwork, you know, you, 
all you all you need to do is have a guy that can take a snap and hand it off to a running back and, and throw it 20, 25 times a game. Yep, exactly. Throw a little couple, you know, basically kind of like my 49ers, you know. We just kind of need a guy, hand the ball off. And, Nickel and dime him. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, hit a couple of play action passes. So, um, you know, Frost also mentioned this week that he's handed off um, handed off some more things to uh, to Lubick, uh, you know, the new offense coordinator, and simplified the playbook. Um, what are your thoughts on how Frost approaches the play calling? Uh, should he give up the play calling and manage the the end game activities, or do you think he's gonna he should hang on to the play calling and just uh, you know maybe try to get the bubble bubble screen out of the fucking playbook? Yeah, I mean definitely that, but <laughs> I think I think he should definitely. To me, I think he should continue to call the plays like he has in the past, kind of let Lubick see it and then kind of pick apart what he likes, doesn't like. And then, you know, depending on, you know, what he sees versus what Scott sees, if they can align and find kind of a good, good like mesh area where they can, you know, combine them or even let Lubick, you know, take things over with, you know, a frost, you know, emphasis, I think just to kind of feel it out, you know, maybe this year, since it's kind of a weird year anyway, Right. And and kind of just feel each other out, see see how it goes and 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 learn from it and put something better in place. Right. I mean, you've got to you've got to feel good about an offense uh, that's returning its entire offensive line, plus a couple young guys that, um, you know, are highly, highly touted that you think could uh, step up and make some noise along with all the returners. You got third year starting quarterback. You, uh, another basically a thousand yard rusher returning. So you got to feel good about the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and then tight end room is as deep as uh, any tight end room I've ever seen. Um, fortunately, they never, we haven't seen as much production as we'd like to out of them, but um, I think we feel good about mainly all the guys in that room that could step in and play and, you know, be productive. So, but on the defensive ball, there's some questions. And then I think the questions start with, uh, you know, the defensive line. Um, now we've got guys that have played, had playing time, um, but haven't really had, haven't, haven't started a bunch of games. Um, but who, who are you looking at on that defense line to kind of step up and anchor that D line? Be, be the guy, the go-to guy. Yeah. I'm looking at three guys. Um, obviously there's your veteran leader, Ben, Ben Stilley. Ben Stilley, yep. Um, you know, he's been solid, you know, he's, he's done his job, you know, he hasn't, you know, popped off the page by any means, but you know, he, he's a solid guy that you can count on in there to, to do his, or uh, to do his job there. Um, obviously there's the high ceiling guy, Ty Robinson, right. You know, uh, he was the high, high, high recruit, you know, big dude who is, is kind of ready to kind of break out and, and, you know, see a lot of, a lot of clock there. And then, then there's your dark horse. I think Keem green um, comes in there, you know, seems like that guy's really bulked up. He came in here with a lot of promise um, and you know, we didn't get, we haven't seen much of him yet, but, um, I think, uh, he might, he could potentially become a difference maker as kind of an athletic body out there to, to make plays in space. Yeah. You know, and then, uh, along with them, I'm kind of lumping in the outside linebackers with them, but obviously our linebacker play, um, was, was a dismal last year. Um, we ended up getting rid of the, out, the linebacker coach and the special team who also doubled as a special teams coach, which, uh, many would contend that uh, those were the two worst uh, uh, positions on the field, uh, linebacker and uh, special boy did, teams. Boy, did he upgrade, though. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he, he's got a good situation going on. <laughs> yeah. Out there, uh, he's in North Carolina, right? Yep. yep. So, but, um, you know, I'm looking for, you know, Caleb Tanner to uh, step up and be, you know, be what we think we can be. I mean, he, you know, he really looks the part – but the production really hasn't been there yet. He's been a two-year starter or two-year contributor. Um, and, you know, Nebraska has been lacking that guy that can get off the, you know, get to the quarterback and, you know, get a effective pass rush on a regular basis. And we've really been lacking that basically since Randy Gregory, Gregory left. So I'm looking for Caleb Tanner, you know, would be great for him to step up and have a breakout season. So that's, that's just my take on the defensive side of the ball, but I don't, I don't. Yeah, I think I think that overall, I was looking through it earlier, and I think that the safety group is really looking kind of like pretty good. I mean, yeah. pretty deep. You know, we have Deontay Williams back, and, and I'm really I, high on that guy. I'm really yeah. high on Williams. Yep. Yeah, he kind of peaked two years ago, and then I, I've been waiting for Pola Gates to really kind of break out and see a lot of play. 
and see a lot of field and and make some plays out there. But yeah, he was a high high recruit guy, four star guy coming into, and he seems like he he's kind of you know meshing well with the with the system and in the program here. So he should be a guy that we're going to see um, you know getting a little more attention going yeah, forward. Yeah, we're looking guys like Quentin Newsom to you know get some yep. playing time, and you know some guys are gonna, there's going to be a lot of guys to see the field this year. So. Um, you know, get a lot of guys good experience, and um, you know, someone, someone hopefully, you know, takes advantage of uh, that that uh, um, that playing time. You know, mm-hmm. makes good on it. So, but um, no, that's Zach. You know, that's about it for you know today's episode. You know, we're you know less than two weeks out now from kickoff. Um, so, what uh, next week we're going to look at kind of our projections for the season, um, kind of a win loss total, some. Um, landmarks as far as yards wise and production as some players that we're going to be going over. We're always so accurate with these. Yes. uh, Position breakdowns, um, kind of strength and weakness that, you know, we already kind of glazed over, but get a little more in depth on it. Um, But Zach, before we get out of here, you got any final thoughts on, on anything, anything you want to talk about? Yeah. I mean, uh, we're recording Sunday. So in a week and a day, we'll have our first official 2020 depth chart released to the public. Yeah. I'm I'm Um, anxious to see it. In, in late October, so um, it should be something. And then, yeah, just really, as I kind of mentioned before, looking forward to one more slate of kind of stress-free, emotionless football on Saturday. Right. And then and then we – you better buckle up, baby, because we're in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so um, I guess, you know, my final thoughts, uh, something that, you know, I saw a couple of weeks ago that kind of really, uh, really grind my gears um, – that I think is becoming a bigger and bigger problem. And so the number one player in the country, high school, uh, his name is Jack Sawyer, kid out of Ohio, signed to go to Ohio State. Um, his high school team is playing football. Jack Sawyer is not playing football, was not playing football because he was ready, he was getting ready to uh, be at Ohio State. So he's skipping his senior year of high school to get ready to play at Ohio State. Okay, so now this this thing is just it's snowballing. It's uh it's snowballing. It so it's now all the way down to this point where a high school senior is now sitting out high school games to get ready to play in college, and now we're in college and there's sophomores and juniors that are sitting out, opting out to get ready for the draft. Um, you know, I think a lot of these guys are using this coronavirus as a as you know kind of a workaround that they're opting out. But LSU, they've had a lot of guys that no. Uh, guy at Penn state, he said, no. Um, and it's, it's happening every year. You know, you can, you can kick out this coronavirus year, but every year they're like, Oh, should Trevor Lawrence sit out? I mean, he's already ready for the pros, you know, don't know why I'm ruin his money. Okay. So now we're doing it in college before they go to the pros. Okay. So now they go to the pros and they sign a five-year contract, you know, the first rounders and they get to year two and guess what? Now they're going to sit out now because they want, they want that second contract. They want to be paid. So now they're sitting out of NFL football. You know, at what point does it fucking stop? And we just play football because you're a football player. So you got 17-year-old kids sitting out, 20-year-old kids, and then uh, professional athletes sitting out. At what point does it stop? And what point are you just a football player and you play football because that's what you do? I mean, it's, it's, getting, it's getting ridiculous, and I think it's more a – kind of how society is right now it's just it's just always something else it just you know a high school kid sitting out like sir you're a def- the kid at, going to ohio state you're a defensive end man you probably you probably are not going to play as a true freshman at ohio state you're going to be going against grown ass fucking men like there's very few true freshman defense in that come in and make an impact so what the fuck are you doing you and then you're sitting there his game was on espn and he's sitting there in the booth talking to the guys it's like are you fucking like, sorry, man, that'd be the end of our friendship. Like, and not to mention they're a state championship contending team. And the number one player in the country says, nah, uh, I'm good guys. I'm going to get ready to play for the Buckeyes, which I'm probably not going to play that much anyways. It just, you know, it's just always something. Oh, sit out college because you're ready for the pros. Then you get to the pros and sign the million dollar contract. And then you get to the end of, you know, two years into your first round draft pick contract. And it's like, Oh, well, you know, sit out, you know, it's a second contract that's really where you make the money at. I mean, look, you know, what point does all this shit stop? At what point do you just play football and be a football player? That's a loaded question. I don't fucking know. Well, I, mean, I can tell you right now that Le'Veon Bell, look at Le'Veon Bell. He sat out yeah. last year, excuse me, two years ago and sat out on $14 million yep. to play football. 
And he said, no, I'm good because I want a long-term deal. And then and he, he goes, goes to the deal. And it's fucking the same contract. It's it's, it's like you lost, you were never going to make up $14 million again in your life. And the fact that you made that decision tells me you're not smart enough to ever make more than $14 million doing anything else besides running the fucking football. So yeah. it just – I it just I don't know, man. It's it's just the, our society we live in and how we're raising these kids and how they are. Yeah. It just – Everybody is just want want something that they don't have. It's always on to the next thing. It's never just sit and enjoy the moment. Just sit and enjoy the moment. I can tell you right now, the Jack Sawyer guy that you mentioned earlier, he's going to be a three transfer guy. <laughs> I mean, I, where did you say he's committed to? He's going to Ohio State. Ohio State. Okay, so if I'm um, Ryan Day, yeah. I'm already yeah. questioning his character right there. Absolutely. And then you think that that guy's not going to come in there after sitting a year? Yeah, it's just kind of a trend that I've seen trickle down and it started kind of in the pros. Now, then it was in college sports. And now, like I said, it's all the way down to high school, high school athletes sitting out on their on their high school buddies, uh, you know, always wanting that next best thing. So just kind of a sign of the times of that we're that we're living in, you know, everybody's looking for that next best thing. So what it is, what it is, you know, kids are going to be kids. But, uh, you know, it's just kind of something that stuck out to me. But um, that's about it for this week's episode. Uh, next next uh, episode, it'll be game week. It'll be finally here. So we're going to go through, break down the schedule, kind of break down some more of the positional battles, uh, kind of strengths and the weaknesses that we see of this team and where we kind of project Nebraska to look at the end of, at the end of this uh, fall. So uh, until next time, go Big Red. This is the Big Red Revival.